0: You are listening to The Dollop, an American History podcast. Each week, I read a story from American History to, oh, by the way, I'm Dave Anthony, to my friend,
1: Gareth Reynolds. Thank you for calling me your friend who has no idea what the topic is about. Because he is in a box all week long, and I only let him out to hear these stories. What are these about? Back in your box! Give me my fish heads first! (laughs) God, you want to look at a little hit I'll do one bum. People say this is funny? Not Gary Gara. Stay Dave okay.
0: Someone or something is tickling people.
1: Is it for fun? And this
0: is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You <laughs> are Queen Fakey of made-up town.
1: All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. <laughs> a bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. <laughs> Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs>
0: Okay, Gary. Any other uh, things you want to tell people? Yep. About? My name is Gareth. <clears throat> From 1790 to 1800. To 1800. 1800. Uh, it's cute. I, I, I've been working since seven a.m. <laughs> it's now uh, ten. I've been in the box all day waiting. <laughs> Philadelphia enjoyed what renowned city historian. E. Digby Botzell called Normal. the Silver Decade. The federal government operated among the cobblestones and row houses along the Delaware River, which was the busiest port of entry in North America. Yeah. Shit was fucking and happening for the Phil Town. Okay. But when the nation's capital was moved to a swamp located between Virginia and Maryland, <laughs> Philadelphia missed its first opportunity to be the center of power in the
1: nation. That sounds like a real Philadelphia way of looking at it too. Yep. That shit moved to fucking swamp. Fucking swamp. Better than you. <laughs> Three
0: decades later, I, I'm gonna tell you a lot of a lot of Philadelphia people are gonna be mad at this podcast.
1: Okay. But I think the I think most Philadelphia people are mad at everything. Yeah. It seems that way.
0: Three decades later it missed a second chance. President Andrew Jackson closed the powerful US bank which was located in Philadelphia Shortly thereafter, the center of the young nation's high finance started migrating to and took up personal residence in New York City. Mm. So that was it. Indeed, for generations, Philadelphia was not considered a destination. American journalist and editor H.L. Mencken called Philadelphia a, quote, well-lit cemetery.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a prick.
0: Because... For well over a century, the city was run by secular political bosses who never thought outside their parochial or financial interests. Many city residents were happy to live in the quiet caution of the city's Quaker heritage. Philadelphia was suffocated by the equality of Quaker philosophy. Lawyers and financiers and industrialists in Philadelphia amassed personal wealth and comfort, but shunned fame and power. While the Kennedys in Boston gave the nation a president and two U.S. senators, Philadelphia has never sent anyone to the White House.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell that people won't like this already. <laughs> and
0: until recently, the city, city hadn't even produced a governor of Pennsylvania for 100 years. <laughs> Lacking Washington's pro, power and New York's pull, Philadelphia was left out. When the federal government built I-95 running north and south to connect Florida and Boston, Philadelphia was a detour. In fact, a Russian journalist visiting the Philadelphia Inquirer editorial board years ago marveled at the fact there was no highway linking Philadelphia to New York directly. There still isn't one. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Totally fair. (laughs) I remember thinking that myself. (laughs) This subtle feeling of an inferiority seemed to become a self fulfilling prophecy. While New York built skyscrapers, Philadelphia's planners refused for decades to allow a building
1: taller than the cap on Billy Penn's head atop City Hall. Oh boy, that is a dumb policy, huh? (laughs) I mean you don't even like the idea that you're like you can't build anything taller is already a bad policy, but then you're like, Don't go bigger than the hat. Not the clock tower. Don't go higher than the clock tower. (laughs) That clock tower is sick though.
0: Uh, while New York had Babe Ruth and the Mick and oh, all those World Series titles.
1: <laughs> what did Philly have, David?
0: Philly, Philadelphia, the Phillies gave away the pennant. No sports franchise in North America had lost more games during the 20th century than the Phillies.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
0: The NFL franchise, the Eagles have.
1: Is, I got a good buddy from Philly. Yeah, he's got. And have. I'm just picturing <laughs> Burns listening to this right now, <laughs> just being like, God damn, son of a bitch! The NFL franchise,
0: the Eagles, have never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, but Donovan McNabb barfed during one. See?
0: The NBA team, the 76ers, have won three championships since they moved to the city in 1863. The last one they won was in 1983. The NHL team, the Flyers, the city's most successful franchise, earned the nickname the Broad Street Bullies in the 70s due to their use of betting the rules, intimidation, and fighting to win. The terrible behavior of the Philadelphia fans really, one could say, began in 1949,
1: from all accounts. Well, David, take me there. Uh,
0: on August 21st, 1949, the Philadelphia Phillies were playing a doubleheader against the New York Giants.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The doubleheader is two games played on the same day. The Phillies beat the Giants 4 to nothing in the first game at Shibe Park. The second game was going okay until the ninth inning. New York grew up 3-2 when a Giants player hit a fly ball to center field, and the Philly player seemed to make a shoestring catch. But the umpire ruled it a hit, and oh the Giants scored another run.
1: Oh, boy. The
0: center fielder would later say it was an obvious catch. The Phillies were furious. Arguments broke out on the field between players and umpires. Meanwhile, in the stands, the fans were completely losing it. <laughs> I... Sh- you should add that, uh, historically, a doubleheader means that there has been a shitload of drinking
1: oh, God. over about six hours. Oh. You're about six hours Mi- into yeah. a bender. Just a, a horrible a, a bender. Maybe more, because yeah. you've got to think about like oh, the, the pre-gaming in between, and in the, in the in-between. Between time, yeah. yeah.
0: So you're like seven or eight hours into a, just a, just a fucking—it's just a drink fest. Ugh. Suddenly, a soda bottle came flying out of right field—
1: <laughs> I mean, already good. Out,
0: out of the right field stands yeah. onto the field. Then, from the left field stands, everyone was like, holy shit, did you see that? And then they started winging bottles. Within seconds, the field was being bombarded by glass bottles from everywhere. The crowd of 19,000 went batshit. Bottles, vegetables, and cans were tossed.
1: Vegetables is the best part, for it's, sure. I, you always hear this. Hit him with
0: the broccoli. But I realized as I was writing this up that it's because they brought all their food to the game. So it was like a guy would just bring like a zucchini and he was going to eat it.
1: Well, here's probably what it's it is like even more so, it. though, oh. is that they probably were like, throw the food you want to eat the least, which in <laughs> an average American diet is anything that grew on a tree. Correct.
0: Uh, so uh, the crowd of 19th was crazy. Uh, the players ran for cover in the dugouts. The barrage lasted for 15 minutes. The public address announcer came on to warn fans if the attack did not stop, then the next game would also be forfeited by the Phillies. He was drowned out by booze and catcalls. Yeah,
1: there's just no way they would give a fuck. No, at this point, they don't care. Yeah, it's very short term thinking when you're yeah. throwing glass on the field.
0: The fans did not stop stop tossing anything they could get their hands on. Finally, a cheer erupted when an overripe tomato hit chief umpire Al Barlick on the head. Mm,
1: That had to be delicious.
0: Seconds later, a bottle whizzed past the neck of umpire Lee Balifant.
1: What happened to the tomatoes?
0: (laughs) Barlick signaled a forfeit, and the umpires ran off the field. After the incident, the state... Passed a law forbidding fans from bringing soda and beer bottles into stadiums.
1: So what? Would the uh, so uh, what was it before that though? It was just. I think I
0: think you could just bring whatever you wanted in back then.
1: So, now I think you have to is, buy it. It is like when you go to a game now. It is nuts to think that there was a time when you literally could just walk in with whatever the fuck you wanted. Fucking insane. Yeah. Because now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there'd be a lot of dead people. A lot of dead. People. Yeah. Uh so
0: yeah so that 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 changed that. Now, in 1960, the Phillies brought their first black player to the team. Okay. He was young and he was very good. Uh as a rookie, he batted 3.18 with 29 home runs, 91 RBIs, 13 have,
1: triples, and 125 runs. I just have a bad feeling. Why? Well, I just feel and I'm probably way off base here. Oh, Part of sure the pun, you are, yeah. But I just feel like the Philly fans aren't going to embrace this guy. Why? Well, I think it's not going to be based on his stats, but the color of his skin. Hold on now.
0: Okay. He led the majors in triples and runs and was the runaway winner for rookie of the year. The next three seasons, he was selected to the All Star team. What's to not like?
1: Again, I think I'm going to go to race.
0: He also struck out a lot and made a lot of errors, so the fans began booing him right away. In his second season, things turned south fast. Oh boy! Phil's favorite and longtime player, Frank Thomas, taunted Allen by calling him "boy" and referring to Allen as Muhammad Clay.
1: Oh, that's a teammate. Things boiled over after. Is that just, is that a take on Cassius Clay Muhammad Ali? What's well, it's 1960, so no. So he just called him Muhammad Clay.
0: Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think Cassius Clay is around in
1: 1960. No, probably not, no. Things
0: boiled over after Thomas called Allen a nigger SOB at batting practice
1: before a game. Now, it's an interesting time when you can drop the N-word and not say son of a bitch. <laughs> Backwards now. Rightfully so. Allen went after Thomas, and the two
0: fought. Allen with his fists, and Thomas with a bat. Oof. Thomas... Was quickly traded After the fight Okay And the fans blamed Alan For the departure Of their favorite veteran Oh Jesus Christ Alan described the fans reaction The next day I stuck my head out of the dugout And I'd never heard such booing People yelled nigger And go back to South Street With the monkeys Oh God Fans began throwing batteries Pennies Fruit And garbage at him From the stands this is 1960. Yeah. For the rest of his career in Philadelphia, he was forced to wear a batting helmet in the field to protect himself from the constant projectiles. What the fuck? <laughs> and batteries? Oh, yeah. I guess. Philadelphia renowned for throwing batteries.
1: I know they people. throw batteries, but I can't understand how it even. How did that. St- like, you were just like, well, what are you going to do with them? <laughs> Take them to the game and throw them at the black. Come on! Hey, this one's out of juice! Come on! Well, let's bring we it need to the more game! Than square batteries! Bring Go it. to take him to the ball game and throw him at that guy who got rid of our favorite legend!
0: <laughs> Eventually, Alan broke. He started coming late to games and practices. He started missing flights and showing up drunk out of his mind. Jesus. Well, that's not surprising, right?
1: Uh, well, you think about Jackie Robinson, <laughs> he really hung in there. He did hang in there. I think he made most of the trips. Yep. In 1969, he held out for 26
0: games and returned only when he was promised a trade out of Philadelphia. He said, I can play anywhere, first, third, left field, anywhere but Philadelphia. Ugh. He was finally traded and ended up being the MVP of the league while playing for Chicago.
1: Okay, so there, I, I mean, there shows you how dumb they are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. The man you threw batteries at is the most important player. <laughs> <laughs> he's, the, he's the best player.
0: On December 15th, 1968, the Philadelphia Eagles were playing the Minnesota Vikings at Franklin Field. The Eagles were a terrible football team, having only won two games all season. Even worse, they had they had lost eleven straight, then won two meaningless games, which, which took them out of the number one draft spot, which would go for the highly coveted OJ Simpson.
1: Oh, Jeez. Jesus! <laughs> two games. Yeah. Come on, guys. We don't quit on this. Quit on the season. No, seriously, quit on the season. Quit on the season.
0: Adding to the anger level at the game was the weather. It had been snowing since the day before, and the game temperature was in the low 20s with wind gusts up to 30 miles an hour. But still, 54,000 people showed up to watch their miserable team play in miserable weather. At halftime, the fans were to be treated to a Christmas pageant. Oh, God. While the Eaglet cheerleaders, who were dressed up as elves... Romped on the field, accompanied by a fifty piece brass band playing Christmas tunes, Santa was to make his appearance riding around the field Dave, on a huge Christmas Dave, float.
1: Dave, <laughs> Dave <laughs> what? Listen, a couple what? things. Okay. One, um I know this goes bad. Why? Just because it's being brought up and maybe I have a hint of a memory of this. <laughs> But two, it's just the idea like that has to be the last time the city tried something sweet at a sporting <laughs> event. Like, because it's set up to be so sweet. It's elves, these cheerleaders are elves, Santa's gonna come, yeah. but you know that you're dealing with a bunch of people who's are fucking freezing, yeah. who are drunk as fuck yeah, oh yeah. and are not happy. No. So they are Santa's not happy. Santa's gonna become the new outfielder. What? <laughs>
0: While the eaglet cheerleaders romped on the field, they were accompanied (laughs) by a 50-piece brass band playing Christmas tunes. Santa was to make his entrance, riding around the field on a huge Christmas float featuring an ornate sleigh dragged by eight life-sized fiberglass reindeer. (laughs) All
1: sounds good. (laughs) Well, yes.
0: But even before it begun, the halftime show went pear-shaped. Oh, boy. The float quickly got stuck in the mud, meaning Santa had to abandon his sleigh and walk around the stadium on foot.
1: Mm, awkward.
0: And worse, Santa was nowhere to be found. Oh, God. Having been prevented from making it to the stadium due to the weather, or, as rumor had it, because he'd gotten too drunk. Jesus Christ. In a panic, the Eagles Entertainment der- Director, Bill Mullen, approached a fan sitting in the stands, 20-year-old Frank Olivo. Frank Olivo to fill in his Santa Claus.
1: This is... uh, I mean, this is not good. (laughs) (laughs) Olivo just happened to have worn a red corduroy
0: Santa suit and a fake beard to the game. He was given a large sack and told to weave down the field between two columns of eaglets, waving to the crowd as the brass band played Here Comes Santa Claus. Olivo said, quote, that's when the booing started. Oh, God. At first, I was scared because it was so loud. But then I figured, hey, it was just good-natured teasing. I'm a Philadelphia fan. I knew what was what.
1: No, you didn't. When Olivo
0: finished his run down Santa Claus Lane, he got into range.
1: He got in. Oh, jeez. <laughs> He got into fan range (laughs) A fan in the upper deck Threw the
0: first snowball Oh shit As Santa hit the south end zone One turned into ten snowballs Then into a hundred snowballs Oh Jesus (laughs) Quote When I hit the end zone And the snowballs started I was waving my finger at the crowd Saying You're not getting anything for Christmas Olivo You're on
1: the naughty list On my face
0: Olivo remembers being hit by several dozen snowballs (laughs) (laughs) the eagles public relations director at this time claiming the bad behavior was prompted by santa's pathetic physical appearance recalled quote he was the worst looking santa i'd ever seen that is not oh sorry bad suit scraggly beard i'm not sure whether he
1: was drunk but he appeared to be but that's the that that's not why (laughs) There's no way that the Philadelphia fans, grown-ups, were like, he doesn't pass the competency level for what Santa should look like. They were like, We man. got standards here in Philly! Yeah, man trying to be nice, let's hurt him. Hurt the man being nice. Hurt the nice man. When I... I had to do this gig in Philly once where I had to, like... It, basically be a ref in a fake boxing thing. I'd never been called faggot faster by, like... <laughs> so, like it was, and, it, and it, again, it wasn't for anything other than just being. I hadn't said a word <laughs> until they were just shellacking me. Yeah, they're good people. For his
0: part, Olivo, ma- Olivo maintains that he was a terrific Santa, that his suit was actually of quite good quality, that he wasn't drunk, and that a lot of people who claim otherwise weren't even there. The entire incident might have been forgotten, if late Sunday night the local news had not been followed by ABC Weekend Report, a national news show featuring Howard Cosell with a weekly package of NFL highlights. Oh boy. When the whip round got to Franklin Field, Cosell showed no football. Instead, he aired The Pelting of Santa. Oh, jeez. Accompanied by his verbiage, shaming the Philadelphia faithful.
1: Can you believe this? Yes. <laughs> These animals.
0: The city of Philadelphia built Veterans Stadium, which opened in 1971. It was a stadium perfectly fitting the city. From the beginning, the vet was viewed as an unflattering cookie cutter stadium, a multi-purpose concrete bowl devoid of any architectural charm.
1: Like a toilet. Like
0: <laughs> the early 70s were a time when the municipal policies of fiscal restraint and urban renewal often resulted in a compromise which served neither purpose. And that's what happened with the vet.
1: Perfect. <laughs> just, just the meat you want to throw to the vultures.
0: The turf at the stadium was considered terrible at best. Quarterback Ron. Right. So it wasn't grass. No. Quarterback Ron Jarowski, Jaworski. W- Jaworski. Jaworski. Yeah. Oh, Jaworski. Yeah. He, yeah. Jaws. Okay. <laughs> once said, quote, the turf of the vet is like concrete with a green bed sheet covering it. It's
1: terrible. Veterans
0: Stadium uh, had other attributes. The rats running through the team's weight room. The deafening acoustics. The dank, cramped locker room. Leaky pipes. A dank arena where a mouse chasing cat once fell through the ceiling onto the desk of an assistant coach.
1: I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> a mouse chasing cat fell on the desk? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Down is up in this place? <laughs> Mice are chasing fucking cats?
0: Mouse chasing cat. It is a mouse chasing cat. A mouse chasing cat? No, no, the cat is chasing the mouse.
1: Oh, are you sure?
0: Yeah, it's a mouse chasing cat, so the cat is running after the
1: mouse. A mouse chase. oh, sorry. Yeah. You're Am right. I crazy to think that you could go both ways on
0: that? Well, the way it was way it was written, I didn't. Okay. I could have written it better.
1: Okay, because what I'm picturing is I like written it better. one of those little rats from uh, The Princess Bride right. in the Weird Forest. It's not one of those. Okay, landing on a desk.
0: Uh, there was unreliable heat, slow elevators, a peephole where the visiting players looked into the dressing room of the Eagles cheerleaders...
1: Uh, okay, I'll devil's advocate this one. Why did the home team not have this pinhole?
0: I, they probably just weren't next to the cheer, the cheerleaders' locker room.
1: I mean, if look, if uh, uh-huh. I guess you could put that in there as a distraction, but still,
0: an odor that former Phillies third baseman Mike Schmidt once described as cat stink. Was <laughs> that even? I
1: think we all know kind of what that means
0: It may have been due to all the stray cats Living in the stadium that ate the rats
1: This is not a professional stadium And
0: they brought Because they had such a rodent problem That they decided to bring in cats
1: Who is solving problems For the fucking city of Philadelphia Santa doesn't show up You pick a wasted dude from the stands in Corduroy You got a rat problem Just fill the stadium with cats (laughs) They may as well just change every sport team to, like, the Philadelphia Rats.
0: When John Gruden became the Eagles offensive coordinator in 1995, he wondered aloud why there were so many cats. He recently <laughs> recalled, quote, I was told the cats were there to get rid of the rats.
1: Suddenly, I love the cats. But then you're going to be, I mean, honestly, like, then you're like, well, now we need dogs. Like, how fucking... It's like Australia.
0: They're they brought like bri- in different things to get rid of different things. Yeah. Yes, and they're overrun by.
1: Yeah. So, but at the end <laughs> of the day, you're like, well, we should have probably just gotten an exterminator.
0: The crown jewel of the monstrosity was the 700 level and its horrific occupants. The 700 level lied at the very top of the stadium and was compromised of the worst and therefore the cheapest seats in the stadium. The men and women were also notoriously the most wild, crazy, and worst fans in the NFL. Okay. Jerry Longman described the 700 level as having a reputation for quote hostile taunting, fighting, public urination, and general strangeness. General general strangeness is a worry. The name the 700 level has been the inspiration for websites relating to Philadelphia sports, as well as weekly. Letters to the editor section in the Sunday sports pages of the Philadelphia Inquirer. So they had an area that was so horrific, and yet they embraced it. Yeah, and that's what they called the letters to the to the sports pages.
1: Ugh. That, but that is, that is kind of a way in a way like a little bit like the epitome of that city is they embrace the like, and that happens a lot of times with sports where you embrace like the people who are like. You're a shitty fan. You're like, no, I'm the shittiest fan. You know, you're like, no, correct <laughs> oh, yourself. Oh, you're not getting this at all. Correct your behavior, sir. At a
0: game in the early 1900s, a fan named Jeanette Miller sat in section 730, removed her shoes. Okay, so let's just let's just isolate that part. Okay. So a woman came to a game. Removed her shoes. A football game or, we're not sure. Sure. football game or, or I assume it's a football game. In the 1900s. Game. In the in
1: 1980s. Oh, 1980s. Sorry, I thought right. we Right, Nineteen hundreds
0: would make more sense.
1: Yep. But in the in 1980s, uh-huh. she came
0: and sat down in her seat and took her shoes off in sure. the stadium. yep. Like a fucking crazy person. Sure. And soon, soon noticed that the guy in front of her was sucking her left big
1: toe. Now that is a very huge leap.
0: Who? <laughs> hmm. Who She had friends a few section over a few sections over who attended games with a keg strategically hidden beneath a wheelchair?
1: Ah, uh, this is next level. <laughs> this is like the Goonies grew up and went to the Eagles game. Who doesn't search the wheelchair? Well, I mean Exactly. You just lift up the blanket. You just bring in a gurney, like just with a with a fucking wet bar underneath it. Uh, my grandma's very sick. I'm so sick. They had a fucking keg. Yeah, a keg in a wheelchair. They were sneaking a keg yeah. into a stadium yeah. in a wheelchair
0: in the eighties. Holy shit!
1: Kind of makes me miss the eighties a lot. Oh,
0: God, a makeshift municipal court known as Eagles Court was set up in the basement of the stadium. In November 1997, after a game against San Francisco, in which about 60 fights broke out, a season ticket holder broke an ankle trying to rescue a friend, and a flare gun was fired into seats.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> so they had to open a, a, a judicial arm of the stadium. Yeah, and uh, they had to, people are also firing flares at people.
0: The first fan to be taken before the judge. Was a man who obviously Was it a judge? Yeah, they had a judge in the basement who and they had a makeshift.
1: Was it just like the court. judge didn't show up, so they found a guy who was dressed like a judge in the no. stands? No, it's just... a real judge. They
0: had a real judge.
1: Okay. They had an actual judge who went down to the and sat there and did it. Whose wife was like, Bullshit. If you want to see another woman, go ahead. He's like, No, I swear to God, no, I'm serious, a judge man. on Sundays. I'm a judge in the bottom of the stadium. Okay, fuck fuck you, Frank. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, Frank. If you don't want to be with me. <laughs>
0: The first fan to be taken before the judge was a man who obviously was intoxicated, and he proceeded to throw up all over the judge's makeshift bench.
1: Uh, First guy ever. My only dream is that that was in response to how do you
0: plea? (laughs) (laughs) Quote, guys in bright green day glow robes and silver hair. That's not the typical courtroom you're used to in the city, said municipal judge Seamus P. McCaffrey, who presided over Eagles Court. Eagles court. The penalties for crime forced offenders to give up season tickets, pay $400 fines,
1: and sit in jail for the rest of the game. Uh, I mean, honestly, could you be dealing with more adult toddlers? <laughs> this is adult timeout. I love it. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's adult timeout. Yeah. They took away the toys oh, and you can't fuck, play anymore. Oh, man. I can't see the fourth quarter. <laughs> no, you can't see the fourth quarter because you stabbed a man. You licked a woman's toe. <laughs> you licked a uh, I was there. <laughs> she took off her shoe. <laughs> I mean, what am I supposed to do? Let her just take off a shoe without eating it?
0: <laughs> so NFL player Michael Strahan said, quote, it's the only place where the bus pulls up outside the stadium before the game and you get the grandfather, the grandmother, the grandkids, and the kids, and everybody's flipping you off.
1: Ugh. It's almost nice in a way. Eagle safety Brian
0: Dawkins says he'll never forget the Monday night game when a bottle rocket soared out of the stands. Wow.
1: That is, like, it's just some stuff that you would never think you would want to do, let alone do. Why would you ever want to do that? Bring a bottle rocket.
0: January 6, 1972, hockey. The St. Louis Blues were playing the Philadelphia Flyers. This was during the period when the Philadelphia NHL franchise were no, was known for aggression and fighting. After the second pl- period, the players headed into the locker room. St. Louis Blues coach Al Arbor, A-R-B-O-U-R, our Arbor. Arbor. It's very Canadian. Uh, went over to referee John Ashley to complain about a call. As the two spoke, a Flyers fan poured beer. Poor I'm gonna say that again. As the two spoke, a Flyers fan poured beer down Arbor's back. When was this? Nineteen seventy two. So crazy. Soon other fans followed <laughs> oh by throwing trash and then taking swings at Arbor. Oh my god. <laughs> it's incensed at the treatment their coach was getting several blues players took off in the direction of the ramp and started to swing their sticks and climb into the stands to fight the fans.
1: Not a good idea.
0: The Philadelphia cops at the arena quickly got involved. In a good way? The notorious Philadelphia police were all too happy to use their nightsticks on the blues players. Jesus. Beating them back into their locker room.
1: So... So (laughs) they... Who's... Who's... (laughs) So they didn't... Who do we, who do we root for? <laughs> Who's our hero? So they didn't stop the fans. No. They just attacked the players of the other team. They created a new sect of attacking. <laughs> <laughs> they now had to go to the locker room. A Philly newsman who rushed
0: over to the scene asked a nearby cop what was going on. Quote, it's the St. Louis Blues against the cops and we're winning.
1: I mean, you know what? That is a city that deserves (laughs) timeout. Blues coach Al Arbor
0: received a gash needing 10 stitches, and blues player John Arbor needed 40 stitches. They were also among the four blues who were arrested following the game. Bail was set at 500, and they weren't released from the police station until their bail was was paid at 5 in the morning by the Flyers owner. Wow. So the Flyers owner bailed them out. I like that. (laughs) They had an arraignment the next month. Stay classy, guys. Yeah, yeah. They had an arraignment the next month when they came to visit the Flyers again, but all charges were dropped. After the 25-minute melee, the Blues, seemingly inspired, came out in the third period and scored three unanswered goals to win 3-2. After the game, Blues owner was furious, saying, that was the worst case of police brutality I've ever seen or heard about. Isn't it fitting that the Blues came and won? like that? That describes yeah, Philadelphia. In, in the, they lose their, their shit, they a, get distracted,
1: show. and then their team and loses, then, yeah. and then they're like, "Why? <laughs> Why weren't we rewarded?"
0: Remarkably, the win would be the Blues' last one in Philadelphia until the 1980s. The Flyers would go 31-0 and three against the Blues over the next 16 seasons Jesus. at the Spectrum. Finally, uh, losing again in November of 1988. In 1989, Mm -hmm. the Eagles and Cowboys had a heated rivalry. Rumors swirled that the Eagles had taken out bounties on certain players. The teams were both playing for a playoff spot. Or maybe it was the Cowboys that had taken out. Anyway, the teams were both playing for a playoff spot. The commissioner of the league brought a ton of NFL security to the game. They stood outside Eagles owner Norm Brahman's box where the commissioner watched. They guarded the Cowboys locker room. And the tunnels leading to it. But none of it mattered. Whoa. Because of the snow. <laughs> okay. A snowfall earlier that week hadn't been entirely cleared from the stadium. Seeing that snow, said Chris Carty, an Eagles player, I knew that wasn't a good sign. Sure enough, oh boy. the snowballs began raining down on the field. <laughs> The snowy barrage became so intense in the second half that the Eagles cheerleaders had to leave the field for their own
1: safety. I, for the, like, the idea that, it does, like, because they're, the cheerleaders are there to just kind of make the men be, like, a little more docile. Yeah. And still, they're like, we're gonna get hurt. <laughs> they're hurting us. <laughs>
0: A large group of Dallas fans were evacuated from field-level seats. Evacuated. Evacuated. Strong like, term. Like like, what didn't even happen in Katrina. Strong term. <clears throat> Most of the snowballs were directed at the Dallas coaches and players, although one identified flying object struck an official, back judge Al Jury, in the head and knocked him down in the first half. <clears throat> <clears throat> A number of Dallas players said... Let's leave the field, let's get out of here, said Larry Wansley, a former FBI agent who coordinates security on the Cowboys' bench each week. I never saw anything like it. And I'm in the FBI!
1: Yeah, and I work for <sighs> the Federal Bureau.
0: The fans weren't just throwing
1: snowballs. A lot of them were ice balls. I was gonna say. Some of them had rocks inside. I was also going to assume that there might be some battery snow. They were more like ice grenades. <sighs> We were very lucky
0: that someone wasn't seriously hurt. The snowballs came down throughout the second half, splattering around the Dallas players' feet and whizzing past their ears. During one timeout, the Cowboys' offense dodged snowballs in the end zone while the public address system played Winter Wonderland. Okay. I
1: don't know who's the worst. I think the person playing that, honestly, is the worst. Well, he's one of them. Bleeding in a winter wonderland. I'm just bleeding in a winter wonderland. Several Eagles players tried to call off the bombing, (laughs) waving their arms toward the sands as if to say, please calm down. But It had little effect. Yeah, but that's exactly what they don't understand. Yeah. Is that there, it, there's no voice of reason. No, there's no reason at all. It's there's just no. like when the cops decided to beat up the blues players. Yeah. There's no... There's no thinking. No, there's just, there's just... Let's do this. Yes, let's go.
0: The snowballs kept coming from both the lower and upper decks. The Cowboys head coach, Jimmy Johnson, was escorted on and off the field by two Philadelphia police officers. It proved to be a good idea as the officers used their arms to shield the coach on his dash to the tunnel after the game... One officer was struck in the face by a snowball and shaken up, but he was reported okay after some minor treatment by trainers. Quote, said one player, most of the guys were drenched when they got in here. Some people were dumping everything on us, beer, soda, ice, you name it. (laughs) Who started throwing the snowballs isn't known, but one man did admit, to betting another fan $20 that he couldn't hit the field with a snowball <clears throat> the man who made that bet was ed randell at the time an ex-district attorney i was just about to see also <laughs> admitted throwing snowballs he went on to become the mayor of philadelphia and then the governor of the state of pennsylvania
1: yeah <laughs> yep <clears throat> 19- probably helped get him elected yes yeah yes
0: the 1997 baseball draft, the Philadelphia Ph- Phillies drafted a player named J.D. Drew with the second pick. Drew's agent had warned any team drafting him that Drew would not take less than $10 million as a signing bonus. But the Phillies had no, pl- no plan to pay an unproven player this amount of money. They just assumed he'd sign. Uh-huh. So Drew refused to sign as he said he would. And then he signed up to play for an amateur team. They lost their player. Really? The next year, he signed with the St. Louis Cardinals, which meant he would be coming to play in Philadelphia. Oh, Jesus. Philly fans welcomed Drew back by throwing a barrage of D batteries
1: at him. D batteries. The square motherfucking painful (laughs) motherfuck. Why the fuck do you exist battery? What the fuck happened with every other battery that all of a sudden now we got a like D battery? best to
0: throw. A D. -d 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 -d
1: -d 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 Yeah, no. Definitely the best to throw Why, why? Uh. They only
0: exist to hurt. The game was delayed for roughly ten minutes after debris landed near Drew in center field. Drew was pulled off the field by his manager for his own safety. On March fifth, two thousand and one, when Drew was finally retiring, Philadelphia Inquirer sports writer T.J. Furman suggested that his readers quote show their love for Red Sox outfielder J.D. Drew, who may retire at the end of the season. You'll get one more chance to let J.D. know how you feel about him when the Sox come to town on June 28th. Get your D-cells ready. Ah, That's 2011. That's crazy. In another wonderful moment, (laughs) draft moment, the Philadelphia Eagles selected Donovan McNabb with the second overall pick in the 1999 NFL draft. Of course, the draft taking place in front of a live audience... (laughs) <laughs> Met McNabb was greeted with a chorus of boos <laughs> because the Philadelphia fans who were in attendance wanted the Eagles to draft Texas running back Ricky Williams.
1: It's the best. It's
0: like it's the guy's, he's like a second pick. He's just oh, awesome yeah.
1: player, and he's like, all right, and they're like, Boo, you yeah. fucking suck." Yeah, welcome to Philadelphia, you piece of shit. Well, and at least Brr. now their negativity has like crossed through the boundary of racism because both those players are black. They actually yep. had a preference, but yep. they still... It really was just anything that t- they wanted. The pothead who was going to quit football. <laughs> they wanted to boo. <laughs> yes, they did. They, they wanted to they boo. Wanted to
0: boo. During his time in Philadelphia, McNabb led the Eagles to four consecutive NFL East Division championships five NFC championship games, and his Super Bowl appearance in which the Eagles were defeated. He won the 2004 AP Offensive Player of the Year Award and is the Eagles' all-time leader in career wins, pass attempts, pass completions, passing yards, and passing touchdowns. McNabb McNabb was said to never have forgiven the fans for the booing he received. Yeah, they really booed him. Could have thrown batteries. During the early 2000s, the Philadelphia Flyers and Toronto Maple Leafs began to form a rivalry. The Flyers had noted tough guys, but Toronto had the toughest guy of them all, Ty Domi. On March 29, 2001, Domi met the fans of Philadelphia. During the game, Ty Domi tried to fight with a Flyer and earned himself a two-minute penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. Fans were upset with Domi, and they decided to start throwing th- things at him in the penalty Jesus. box. Domi warn- warned them to stop Oh, boy. They didn't. After a while, Domi had had enough. He picked up a water bottle and squirted a few of the fans over the glass partition. (laughs) Chris Falcone, a 36-year-old concrete worker from Havertown, Pennsylvania, was extremely upset with Mm. Domi's squirt. Mm.
1: Yeah, it's very offensive.
0: And lunged at him. Oh, boy. He climbed atop the glass and tried to swing at Domi. Then the glass separating him from the most brutal enforcer in the NHL collapsed. Boy. Pandeno- pandemonium ensued. Ugh. Falcone and Domi fought in the penalty box before linesman Kevin Collins stepped in. Jesus Christ. Falcone was arrested and cited and taken away to get stitches.
1: Taken to Philadelphia Eagle Jail. But today he is a living
0: legend in Philadelphia. Ugh. No matter how old you are, you still remember the game vividly. The Flyers may not have won the contest, but you can bet someone will bring up, quote, that time the fan got into a fight with Ty Domi.
1: And isn't that, in essence, why they are the way they are? Isn't it because it almost is like you can create a satisfactory memory out of just being violent and you don't need to lean on a win? (laughs) Like, that's what they're saying, that what matters most is how they lost. That hasn't
0: happened to me since I was 15 years old in junior hockey. It was a mascot, Domi said. Hey,
1: that's old-time hockey. It was perfect. Well, his statement, also crazy.
0: Falcone was treated by medical personnel and did not go to the hospital. Fans in the stands have been known to brawl with each other at Eagles games. During one game against the Washington Redskins, a fight broke out, and one fan was being kicked on the ground. That's when a police officer stepped in, and decided to let loose with his pepper spray.
1: Oh, good. Always good.
0: The spray drifted onto the field during the Monday night game, the most watched game of the week. Cooling fans on the field pulled the pepper spray residue behind the Eagles bench, and Philadelphia players scattered onto the field to avoid the spray. Jesus. Players and fans on the stands on that side of the stadium held their noses and covered their eyes as a national
1: audience watched on TV. Watched as a the cop. Game- <laughs> a cop. A trained officer. He sprayed a guy who was getting kicked. Sprayed into the wind on a... F- uh, like... <laughs> the game was
0: delayed for eight minutes until officials decided it was safe to play.
1: Until officials decided it was okay to blink again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Phillies have a mascot called the Philly Fanatic. So he's this giant green thing.
1: Right, he's he, a big he, weird Martian looking <laughs> thing, right? Yeah, he's got like
0: a big head and a big stomach. He's yeah. like round. On February 6, 2004, the Phonetic was at a charity auction of memorabilia at Veterans Stadium when tragedy struck. <laughs> Jesus. Philly mascot Tom Bergion was, perf- uh, was was performing during the auction. He said he took off the head in a first aid room in a restricted area off the main concourse during a break around 6.30 p.m. When he returned 45 minutes later, the head was gone. the theft was caught on tape by the center's security cameras who filmed a man trying to conceal the head between his bright yellow ski coat and this head is huge it's gigantic (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) there's a back door to that room and he entered the room and exited that way burgeon later said security never saw him Witnesses came forward saying they saw the man place the head in the trunk of his car. Oh wow! The Phillies delayed reporting the missing head, believing it had been taken as a prank and would be returned. Wrong, but after it didn't turn up for several days, Bergion went to the police. <laughs> the police announced to the public that the fanatic's head had been stolen. Bergon was sieged with emails, besieged with emails and phone calls from people outraged that the head had been taken. During the police interview process, a sergeant said Bergion was asked to describe the missing item. Quote, he starts saying it's green and it's two and a half feet tall and it has a snout and a party favor for a tongue. And I'm thinking to myself, do we need to ask him to describe the Philly head?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's the craziest head you'll see. And it's green. Wait, you said party favorite for a tongue? Yeah, it's got a party favorite tongue, and its head is made of sort of a neon streamer. Just picture a crazy fucking thing.
0: Uh, a $5,000 reward was offered by Gary Barbera Automotive Group in Philadelphia.
1: <laughs> the, the, the Phillies won't offer a fucking reward?
0: And that was then publicized by Howard Stern. 11 days after the theft, Bernard Bechtel called radio station WISP-FM. Bechtel, 37, first told disc jockey Tommy Conwell over the phone that his son had found the headpiece while sledding. But when he arrived at the radio... Do we want to...
1: Well, I mean... He was just sledding and he came across the head? Obviously, that's total bullshit. But when he
0: arrived at but the But you radio, could
1: come up with such a better scenario. It's the
0: worst scenario I've ever heard. My son found it while he was sledding. Number one, you've already brought your son it in. came the out of the grind. shower. <laughs> I was in a donut shop, and it was just sitting on the donuts.
1: Uh, it was in my drawer. It fell out of a car. Uh, my kid bought this. When he arrived
0: at the radio station Tuesday to claim the money... He said he recovered it from two 13-year-olds who were running down a ramp at the Wachovia Center. Bechtel also didn't want to tell the disc jockey his name. Cool.
1: Well, that's probably going to be easy to get a check.
0: So I just want the five grand because I got the head, but I can't tell you who he is. I got the head, huh? Come on. So he's uh, the head. Come on. What do you got no for me? No more questions. What do you got for me? No more batteries. My name don't mean shit. <laughs> he did say he was from... Well, this is a tough one. Con Show which he mispronounced.
1: Oh, good. So you should know the name so, of the place you're from. Yeah, for sure. It's not hard. <laughs> you're from there. It's near. You already know you're going in with the idea that you've said you found a big head while sledding. Shouldn't
0: you pick a place that you know how to pronounce? Yeah,
1: there's got to be like a Smithville or something. <laughs> I'm from kashonging I'm sh- I'm from Shklocking. Uh, boys. You know, the sea place. Yeah. Anyway, where's my $5,000 for this sledding head? Soon, four Philadelphia police officers
0: arrived. They had received a phone tip minutes before that the fanatic's head was in the radio station building. <laughs> Quote, that Philly fanatic must be a lucky guy. I was seven blocks away, said Sergeant Stephen Belio. Officers escorted Bechtel out of the building, and Sergeant Belio retrieved the furry, squiggly-eyed head, which was stashed under the station's studio board. We got a real big trash bag, and we transported it back to South Division, the sergeant said. Heroes. Philly mascot, Tom Bagoin got his costume's head back. The fanatic is intact. It still smells, so we know it's his. Uh, buddy, pick a better quote. <laughs> Bechtel was charged with receiving stolen property, burglary, theft, and trespassing. The husband and father of two was said to have been very remorseful. <laughs> I'm sure. But he said he couldn't help himself because of seeing the memorabilia. He was placed on two years probation and ordered to perform 100 hours of community service. But will he throw batteries again? April 2010. 2010. At a Phillies game, 21-year-old Matthew Clemens of Cherry Hill, New Jersey, was sitting with a friend behind off-duty Easton police captain Michael Vangelo and his daughters, age 15 and 11. The two men were cursing up a storm and spitting with some of their saliva hitting one of Vangelo's daughters. The police captain was not amused. Vangelo complained to security, and Clemens' friend was ejected. A little while later, Clemens, who was still sitting in his seat, answered his cell phone saying, quote, I need to do what I need to do. Not good. I'm going to get sick. What? He then stuck his fingers down his throat. No,
1: no, and, Dave, Dave, no.
0: And vomited on the Vangelo and his family. No.
1: What? <laughs> those are things that those just based on common decency. You don't expect someone to go that far. I need to do what I need to do, and then he fucking bulimiaed
0: everywhere. Vangelis said he tried to push his children safely behind him, and Clemens punched him in the face. While barfing? Yeah. Four or five fans in the next session then rushed to help. They held Clemens until police arrived, and someone did punch Clemens in the face as he tried to break free. And an officer was also hit with vomit. Clemens' mugshot showed him with one black eye. Clemens was arrested. He was charged with assault, reckless endangerment, disorderly conduct, and related offenses for the incident.
1: And inventing a new misdemeanor. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: it, 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 he was given a $36,000 bail. Oh, my God. In court, he admitted to purposefully throwing up on the family, but told the judge he
1: was sorry for his actions.
0: Who gives a How fun- do you do that? How do you say, yeah. yes, I threw up on them, but yeah. I'm really sorry about yeah. it?
1: I feel real bad.
0: You know what? You know, you do things, and then you're like, I shouldn't have done Fool that. Fool me once. Are you ever th- Hey, Judge, have you ever thrown up on somebody's? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you feel bad right afterward. I was so nauseous from eating my fingers, sir. The judge did not believe Clemens was sincere. He was sentenced to what? three months in jail, two years probation, and 50 hours of community service. <laughs> Bengalo said his daughter hasn't talked about what happened that night and doesn't want to go back to citizens bank park that all makes a lot of sense <clears throat> i think this is our last one okay october 2014 oh recent Oof. sunny Forest, jr a vietnam vet and street musician is known for playing music outside of phillies and eagles game sunny also has only one leg
1: could have been a general It's a call ahead. It's a call ahead. ahead. It's a call
0: ahead. (laughs) Forrest Jr., who began using a motorized wheelchair after losing his leg, said he had taken off his prosthetic leg during his performance. It was probably bothering him.
1: Okay, so I... Uh, Okay, go ahead. uh, His leg... I mean, someone takes his fucking leg? Well, it's like taking off your shoes, I guess. Uh, It's like taking off a mascot head. (laughs) Except the man needs it to fucking survive.
0: He was packing up his car to get going when a group of people danced around him. As he continued to sing, Forius Jr. said he was then approached by a woman in her 20s who was wearing Eagles gear. She jumped in my lap, Forius Jr. said. She gripped my leg, and I didn't even know it. I looked down, and she took my leg. Then she disappeared. What the fuck? A young lady came up and snatched my leg off my chair and took off. Forius Jr. filed the police report, and police searched for clues. On Monday, around one a.m., a subway conductor found the prosthetic leg on a train at the other end of the Broad Street Line. She
1: didn't even give a fuck.
0: And then contacted police. <laughs> she
1: didn't even give a fuck. She just took a guy's leg for nothing. And she didn't like took she took off and left it on the subway. Like, how do you not even at least put it on a shelf and be like, "I took a guy's leg"? <laughs> like, at least then you give it some sort of like. There's at least. Some sort of justice to the whole have thing. Have some pride in your leg just thievery. Th- th- yeah. You don't take a leg just for the sake of taking a leg. You take a leg and go, and stick carrying it. I'm going to leave it on a train. Fuck it.
0: Police reached out to Forrest Jr. to return the leg, reunited with his leg. Forrest Jr. said he doesn't wish for the woman who snagged his leg uh, to go to jail. He wants her to get help.
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't have a rehab for that.
0: Quote, somebody needs to talk to her. She don't need to go to jail True, fair Investigators said that appeared In total, three women took part In the leg heist The leg heist
1: What a great That's city. only some of the
0: Philadelphia <laughs> Fan stories town. that, I, that I, I Could have just kept going on
1: What a great town <laughs> <laughs> What must you think when you get traded Ooh. there As an athlete, even now you well, must be like. I, I, mean, I hope Phillies, I'm fucking good.
0: The Phillies were good for a little while, and now they're bad again. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've never been to a game there, but I've always, I was always, I could have gone to an Eagles game once, and I was too. Scared I've been to too. an Eagles game. You've been to the stadium.
1: I did. I had this gig for a while where I had to go to Philly and like do shit at like sporting events, and that's where I was refing this thing, and then I also had to do some stuff outside of an Eagles playoff game. Oh my god. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. I mean, it was just like it didn't matter. It didn't matter. There was no like you couldn't win and it was almost liberating. It was almost like you're like I can't it's not me. It's them. Because the second you start anything, all they want to do is hurt. Oh my god. It's terrifying. All, all right. right. All right, Philly. God go, bless. Philly. There you go. God bless. 76 God bless y'all Don't tread on me Alright Hey there people listening to The Dollop uh, This is Gareth Yes, the same guy I uh, Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help That I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson It's basically a call in advice show Where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't But we try to help people with problems that are important to them you can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this, uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy after it let's see you there